I remember it like it was yesterday. I was sitting in my dorm room, getting ready to turn on the TV to watch the March Madness, the famous college basketball tournament. I opened up Twitter, and then I found out that the entire tournament had gotten canceled. I was super disappointed, and then I realized everyone else was too. And it made me truly understand the impact that sports has on our society and how it really brings people together. Our guest on today's podcast is someone who has a huge influence on sports and how it impacts us every single day. Kia Clark is the Chief Operating Officer of the New York Liberty, a WNBA team. Kia and our founder Jake sit down and have a fantastic conversation about the world of sports and sports marketing and how sports are part of our daily lives today. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this fantastic conversation between our founder Jake and Kia Clark. Thank you guys for listening. another trendsetters podcast another episode of our CMO series uh, today I'm actually talking with the COO of the New York Liberty that's a WNBA team for you uh, non-basketball fans out there Kia Clark and today we're going to be discussing all things sports marketing um, basketball WNBA and plenty more. So it should make for a very interesting conversation. Stay tuned in and focus. Kia, it's an, it's incredible to have you on today's podcast. Thanks for having me, Jake. Yeah, so I, I think the first question, particularly uh, w- with what's wildly popular right now, uh, the Chicago Bulls episodes airing on ESPN, I think it's The Last Dance, if that's correct. I'm, I'm not a show person, but... Uh, is it really highlights, and Jordan's one of the best examples of that, how sports and athletes and influencers in there can connect with culture and how then sports can be the driver of that culture. And I think, you know, without a doubt, over the past 20 years, maybe even 30, basketball has definitively been that sport that has just driven and connected with culture so well. And you see that in today's league where, you know, the second, third, you know, person on the roster, they're, they're also a well-known celebrity almost. And so I'm curious to hear from you, what's your approach from a marketing and brand perspective in terms of connecting your team and the players to culture? Sure. You know, you mentioned the last dance and I think what all of us would call the epitome of that crossover, you know, on how basketball became mainstream and how folks um, globally really started to emulate and want to, you know, live that basketball culture. I think uh, unless someone could give me another example, Jordan was the epitome. So I am a show watcher. I am watching intently. And it's actually um, really interesting to be watching it sitting in the seat that I sit in um, because, you know, my job is to market um, the 12 players on our team. Um, These women, not unlike the men of the NBA, are – 
the pinnacle in their craft. Um, they're the best in the world at what they do. Um, so I think, you know, as a marketer and as, you know, you think about what that means to culture, what basketball means to culture, um, in short, I would say um, it's improved a ton over the 20 plus years that the WNBA has been around. Mm-hmm. I think um, at the heart of it, um, the, why their players play and what they put into their games are equal. Um, I think we're still um, working through that same notoriety and that same brand recognition and popularity. Um, you see it in certain players, you see it on certain levels. Um, I think over these um, you know, two decades plus that the league has been around, uh, we definitely have had some standout figures, um, but I think as a culture, as on, on a whole, you know, we're really focused on continuing to elevate, continuing to make it better, continuing to to think of new um, strategies and tactics um, so that we garner that same sort of attention and, and notoriety. Yeah, certainly. And obviously the WNBA has come, you know, a long way in that. I, I would be curious to hear from you. Obviously, you know, you're not in charge of marketing, advertising, building a brand for WNBA as a whole, but it, it is ultimately all kind of interconnected at the end of the day. How much of that is integrated into what what you all are doing as a team, you know, within the league for growing the overall league's popularity, uh, particularly, you know, maybe just in the U.S. or even expanding beyond that as we think about, you know, an international approach? Uh, is that something that you're that, that's put on the plate of a lot of the teams as well? And is, is that a coordinated effort? I think I'd, I'd love to dive into the guts of what that would look like to share with our audience. Yeah, you know, we're only each team is only as good as what the league is representing. And the league is bolstered by um, the 12 teams that are represented. So each of us in our own markets, um, I think, are uh, doing the same um due diligence, fighting the same fight um, to bring um, attention and to bring elite basketball to to our markets locally and also nationally. So, you know, yes, it's a complete um, collaborative effort. We're in constant contact with league officials. Um, There are some platforms and initiatives that are national that all teams are asked to do. Um, There are some things that are unique to each market. Um, And that's what works for that market. Um, But I think um, any growth is good growth for for the league as a whole. Um, For example, you know, New York being one of the original franchises, um, this, you know, being our 24th season, um, we've had to go through a series of changes over those seasons. You know, it, it can't be the same as it was in 1997. The way we look at the fan base, the way we want to attract corporate partnerships, um, even the people we sell tickets to, um, that that has looked um, different over the years. Um, some being diehards that have been with us from the beginning, but us realizing that growth is really the only way to be successful. So I think um, you know all of those things work together for good um, when that comes to play, and especially with 12 teams. Um, we're only um, strong if, if we kind of share best practices and, and bounce ideas off of each other. So you see a lot of that happening, a lot of it. Yeah, certainly. And, and collaboration in any market is going to be key. And specific to the New York Liberty, I know you, you kind of hinted at it just now, uh, you know, being in the, the tw- your 24th season, is that correct? 
Um, Correct. Yeah, so you know, being in 24 season, now you're gonna make some adjustments, some changes uh, to innovate with that, innovate with those audience bases. Uh, you know, what are some current changes happening right now and, and what's ahead on the horizon? I, I'd be wildly curious to learn more. Yeah, you know, I would say um, COVID-19 um, has, has thrown quite a curveball in what um, our initial um, go-to-market plan would have been for this season. We were actually moving, we are moving uh, to a new arena at the Barclays Center. So um, a lot of um, the real high-end touch points in the community and face-to-face with the consumers and with the fan base um, we've had to pivot a bit until until we come out of this. So a lot of our attention, uh, most of our attention these days is really in the, the digital space. Not that we were neglecting the digital space before, but when that's all you have to lean on in this current climate, um, you get creative really quickly. Um, and I think mo- f- first on that list would be um, utilization of our players. At the end of the day, the players and the game is the product. Um, and right now, we find ourselves in an unusual circumstance where um, the players are, for the most part, still in their hometowns. Some of those are international. Um, we have oh, almost half of our team are, are not from the United States. Yeah. And some of them are here in the U.S., but not in New York. So as much as we can utilize um, real um, player-generated, authentic content as much as possible and on different mediums and different platforms um we're we're taking advantage of that when usually you know they'd be really busy um, practicing their craft (laughs) practicing and playing games and traveling from state to state right now they've got to keep their bodies healthy they've got to work out and be ready to go but um we have actually um benefited um from that in you know just some specific um touch points that i'll even mention we launched a first ever um 100% um, player creative control. We have a kicking it with Kia. Kia Nurse is our third year guard. She's our all-star. She's interviewing each and every one of her teammates in an IG Live. And that's something we had never done. Typically, you see IG Lives with the professional or the broadcast, you know, sports journalist. But we have a player-to-player engagement and interaction that we really think will appeal to our core fan. We think it'll appeal to the curious fan. Um, and most notably, we hope that we appeal and meet, um, you know, younger fan base, um, perspective fans, aspirational fans where they are. Yeah, of course. And those audience bases, they're going to continue to evolve and, and, and change and, and adopt uh, new, new traditions and such. Because at the end of the day, you know, sports do a lot of times stem from traditions it's you know growing up with your parents going to you know whether it's baseball the ball game or going to the games like all the all these different things that are so traditional and so you think about not necessarily how you can break those traditions but how you can make this the new tradition uh for your ideal you know consumer base so i i think an interesting you know subject would be that that evolution of the consumer base and who that ideal fan is so if i asked you right now you know within gen z and millennial is there a specific demographic or individual type that you would define as hey this is our this is our ideal uh this is our ideal fan sure yeah i think um in in my background actually i should have started by saying this i i kind of came up through the ranks 
specifically focused on the marketing um, angle of the business. Yeah. So um, being now, you know, the overseer of our of our business operation, a lot of the marketing in me rings true still. And I would say for many seasons, we were very, very focused on the demos. We were trying to get the women and we were trying to get um, the women who made a certain amount of money. And we were trying to get the women in a certain geo target. And it was very, very data centric. And I would say maybe it's probably been uh, three or four seasons now. We took a really long, hard look at... um, how we were marketing and who we were trying to attract and made it less about the numbers game um, and more about the psychographics. The fan who wants to consume New York Liberty typically has a like-minded thought process. It's about being true. It's about being authentic. It's about a value system that honors women, a value system that honors people of color, um, almost this underdog mentality, if you will. Mm-hmm. So we started to really cater a lot of um, not just the qualitative po- data points that we could collect from the current fans, but really starting to garner and um, create experiences where people got to really come together as a community and let that be the louder voice in the room. And not so much that they were the same demo, but more so they get each other. Yeah. Um, and I think that w- that would be aspirational. And I'll be transparent. Um, I would say, especially on the full season ticket level, we don't have a lot of um, Gen Zers. Yeah. We don't have a ton of millennials. Um, it's aspirational for us. We know that if we don't get younger, this is going to make for a really challenging next 20 years. Um, a lot of our core fan base is of the older demographic, um, but they have kids and nieces and grandchildren who we want to appeal to as well. And I think it starts one with the on-court play, but two with this sense of community and this sense of um, authenticity that I think is just so innately a part of our DNA. It's not phony. We're not making up a brand attribute. It's exactly yeah. who we've been. It's the reason, you know, um, why we lean so heavily into um, the meaning behind, you know, why the Statue of Liberty and, you know, that torch is a part of our logo. It's it's who um, these women really represent, especially in a diverse place such as New York City. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, you know, one of the things our, our typical guest on here might be a CMO, an SVP in uh, marketing, but they tend to be, you know, more so on the marketing side. And obviously, you, you have a background in that and it's a very consumer facing brand. So I would assume that plays you know, uh, uh, somewhat of a role for you. Uh, but I think our audience would be wildly curious to hear what the day-to-day uh, of a COO looks like. And, and so maybe you could shed light on that. And I'll preface it with the fact that I think when most people listen to this and they hear the day-to-day of the CMO, it just sounds like meetings and strategy is pretty much it. Uh, which, you know, but that's, that's going to be the day-to-day of a lot of executives, but I know the COO is likely going to take on some more intense tasks and touch uh, probably a wider array. So uh, I'd love if you could dive into and highlight that uh, sure. for, for those that likely don't know what, what that looks like. Yeah, in our business, um, the COO role, um, my role on this team in particular, is very much um, focused, it's going to sound weird, 
on all things. So yeah. it's a broad stroke across um, managing our P&L. So that's going to involve um, ticket sales. That's going to involve corporate partnership sales. Um, it's heavily weighted on how we market the team and what we look like um, in the customer's eyes. Um, I oversee um, public relations and communications, um, as well as social responsibility. So um, a lot of my day-to-day is really very much focused on um, having my finger on the pulse with each and every lead in all of those mm-hmm. areas. And then you add in the corporate side, which is you know HR and how we're hiring and um, maintaining um, staff engagement. And then there's finance, um, lots and lots of spreadsheets and looking at numbers and understanding the numbers and making decisions based on um, all of the um, various triggers throughout the business. So, you know, while I was at a certain point in my life, very much, you know, the marketing focus now, we lean a lot on marketing, but everything, every piece of the business is what makes this thing go. Um, so it truly is 360. Um, but it's really about having good partners and trusting in the people that you hire and trusting in the people that um, are business partners within the greater part of the company um, to do their jobs and do it well and to help um, utilize information to make the best decisions. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think that's uh, you know incredible breakdown of what the day-to-day looks like. It's obviously a little bit different than what the day-to-day of a CMO is going to look like. So I think it's you know incredible to shed light on that. And I think it brings up a really good point for you know those in marketing and advertising uh, or, or just you know starting out in their career right now, which is you do need to be connected with the bottom line. You do need to be uh, connected with the P&L, and that's going to improve likely your uh, performance on the marketing and advertising side. And obviously, you know, staring at numbers and spreadsheets all day is going to likely limit your creativity, but you do need to be tapped into that. And so likely your relationship with the COO, CEO, CFO, uh, if you do end up becoming a, a CMO or um, SVP in marketing or or any marketing role you're in, it's I think it's vital that we as marketers and advertisers remember that at the end of the day, we can get as creative as we want. This needs to connect to the bottom line. And if it doesn't connect to the bottom line, these great ideas are quickly going to go away. And with that in mind, I think, you know, some of those great ideas might exist, you know, around, uh, around the bin and, and ahead of us. Uh, you know, being that we are trendsetters media, we're oftentimes very focused on Generation Z, on the future of marketing and advertising, disruptive technologies, you know, you can go down the line and, and for the most part, you know, sports leagues tend to be, you know, very much integrated in that and, and drivers within those. So I'd be wildly curious to hear from you, you know, what are some things on the horizon that you're looking into right now that you're maybe testing? Is it, you know, is it TikTok? Is it augmented virtual reality and how we integrate that into our programming? Like there's probably a million different ways I could go here, but uh, what are some things on the horizon future wise that, that you're actively either pursuing or at least looking into? Yeah, so we're actively pursuing. I think we all have seen um, the just the crazy amount of engagement and reaction to TikTok. Yeah. Um, I, I live with um, two little ones who are desperately, desperately wanting to be on TikTok. <laughs> my, my kids are six years old and eight years old. Um, 
and it was missing me for a while. I, I didn't understand it. I'm not of I'm not of the generation that would want this type of content initially. And I think with all of us being captive audiences at home and us realizing as a brand, many brands are headed in that direction. That's one of the things that we've made a major initiative um, during this break. So we'll actually launch for the first time our TikTok page um, over the next uh, week or so. Um, oh, really? So we're yeah. just getting that. Exactly. We're getting that strategy together. And I won't say we were forced into it, but, you know, it's it was it's necessity, but it's also a, a changing of the time. So I think that's really revealing another um, piece that we're really aware that we need more of. And it's probably a function of um, some of our audience um, not being in the younger generation. But we recognize that audience generated content is going to be really important for yeah. us moving forward. Um, especially when you, you know, um, you look at the talent pool in the WNBA and, um, while the league, uh, was around when I was a younger person, I think just the, I, and I didn't really watch as many games as I do right now. Yeah. The quality of play has improved like, you know, I can't even put a percentage on it, but the basketball is just incredible um the women come into our league um you know we use, we throw around the term pro ready a lot but it's just like beyond strength and quickness it's it's really that the basketball iq and how um well trained and, and smart they are about the game so i think um the more reaction in real time that we can garner from fans and really you know understand what makes them take as fans and why they like certain players and what kind of moves and how our game quite frankly differs from the NBA. Um, th this below the rim, very cerebral, very high shot percentage game. Um, there's a lot of that you can do with that, you know, yeah. um, for, from an audience participation, audience generated content in real time in reaction. Like, I think that's really where, where a lot of our mindset is right now. And then, you know, I'll go back to this. And I mentioned, you know, earlier, um, our players, they are the product. They're who play on the floor. But interestingly, you know, most of, uh, most of our players were born in the 90s. So yeah. they're of the generation. A lot of what we want to tap into comes directly from them because um, they're the ones that people want to hear from, as it were. So um, that, that's kind of, you know, what we have cooking. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And I know we do quite a bit on TikTok and it's a wildly unique platform, but, you know, incredible growth nonetheless. And, and also one of the best platforms uh, that you can then siphon out to others. So I know that's something that a lot of brands are thinking about uh, on the horizon. I think user generated content is always a question, particularly when we're selling an experience. How can we get this shared out? Because everyone nowadays, particularly in the younger demographic, they're always taking pictures. The food always eats first as they would say. And so uh, we're always thinking about how we can get them to share to their own audience on social media. Uh, now, when it comes to, you know, looking up to uh, brands, you know, if I'm a CPG product and, you know, we're trying to get to get, get to here and level up, there's a lot of different brands I can look to and kind of study, you know, what they did to get there, their branding, so on. Whereas, you know, being that you're in sports, there's only so many teams and such. So what, outside of your own, 
what is your favorite or at least best, you know, what is your sports team across any league that you think has branded themselves best or is just branded uniquely? And I'll preface it with, we are in Kansas City. I think Kansas City Chiefs, pretty, pretty good branding, kind of like underdog football team. Patrick Mahomes, you know, likable guy. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'm curious to hear from you. Is it someone like the Lakers with that rich history or uh, I'll let you take it, but is there any one team in particular that stands out? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and you're speaking to someone who did not grow up an avid sports fan. Um, but actually a very avid athlete. Um, I was always playing something um, and wasn't watching very much. Um, So I'd have to say in the absence of choosing a team, um, I I think that the NBA does a remarkable, a remarkable job um, in their um, efforts as a brand. Um, especially in representing their players' um, social responsibility initiatives off the court. You know, players have their own mindset about what they are interested in and the foundations they want to begin and the people they want to give back to. And I think that's a really – that's a challenging pathway to navigate as a league when you also want to – have an initiative and have initiatives that involve those players. So I think they do a tremendous job of, you know, globally um, involving players, involving alumni, standing for issues that are important to um, the people who represent our league, that are important, um, quite frankly, to the people who run our league. So I um, would definitely say, you know, Although we're a subsidiary and we're a part of the same family, I don't think that there's anyone who does it better. And we we reap the benefit of being a part of that and kind of having some of the mind share and, um, you know, best practice sharing with with them. Yeah, to me, I think that the 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 NBA in particular just stands out as a major leader when it comes to that and, you know, lifting up their players. And I think they're a beacon for what, uh, you know, sports and marketing marketing and sports should look like uh, we'll see how that disrupts you know uh you know other sports such as you know the nfl or the mlb or the nhl and and, and those variances in between so it's been it's been wildly wildly interesting to see the growth of the nba and it's more connected with culture i would say above any other brand and so thus then they can you know, launch their own social causes and and uh, and, and push towards that which is going to be so valuable for any league now i think my final question for you I, although i don't know if, if if you didn't grow up watching sports as much i don't know if this is a good question for you i guess you're watching the show right now are you a lebron person or a jordan person Who, who's the goat do you have a preference two different eras <laughs> <laughs> that's a cop-out answer that is <laughs> it's not a cop-out it's not a cop-out okay um, yeah it's true i i mean i i can you gave me an out um, I do. I do watch um, clearly a, a decent amount of um, NBA now. Yeah. I was. I was um, alluding to when I was younger, and it's funny. In watching The Last Dance, it I sort of have this guilt for not watching all of that in real time. And I'm, I'm yeah. having these debates with my husband about like, were you watching this? Like, were you actually really, really, really paying attention to this then? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, you know. That's a toughie. That's a toughie. 
That is a toughie. Uh-huh. Well, we'll get back to you guys with an answer next week on, on next episode. But anyway, uh, Kia, I really appreciate your time. This was an incredible episode. I think the biggest takeaway here for the majority of our listeners uh, you know, is, is some of your insights around that approach um, to obviously marketing advertising in a very unique market, uh, some of the innovations happening there, and some of those future strategies you mentioned, TikTok, UGC, those are all things that we need to be consciously thinking about. Um, and then as a whole, you know, how we, how, how the New York Liberty sports team plays into the larger league as a whole. And that even that connects with the NBA and there's just a lot of moving pieces. And I think, uh, you know, it's individuals like you that continue growing that and create incredible entertainment, um, of course, with the players, of course, uh, through for the rest of us. And, uh, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see the continued growth uh, of the WNBA over the next decade. So, uh, you know, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Jake. Great chatting with you. Awesome. Everyone listening right now, please screenshot this podcast and share it to your Instagram story. Tag the New York Liberty on Instagram and also tag the WNBA and then send that to me and one of you will win, let's do $250 Venmo. Cool. So that's my call to action for everyone and to apply what you learned today. Thank you everyone for tuning in. I'll see you next time.